Church, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. Um, you, you know, I think, the, I think where we're going to go first is, um, I think we're going to do, we're gonna, I'm going to get you to flip with me to, um, go to 1 Corinthians. That's where we're going to start. <laughs> I, have to, I have to figure out, like, like where am I going to start us out at? Um, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and today we're kind of wrapping up this um, idea of because of Jesus. I've been teaching through this idea of because of Jesus. Um, and actually, you know what? I lied to you. We're going to actually keep your place there in 1 Corinthians, but go, like keep a finger there, but go to Romans chapter 6 for me first. Um, it, so we're going to look at these two places is what we're going to be looking at. And I had, you know, what God does. God does his thing, and, and I just have to follow where he goes. But but here's the thing. We've been talking through this idea of because of Jesus. And, 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 and here's what I can tell you. If you weren't already sure, everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that is anything, it's all because of Jesus. Amen? Can we just, as a church, can we just come to that realization and just have that in an agreement with one another? We have nothing if not for Jesus. Or we have everything because of Jesus. Notice that both of those all point straight to him, right? We, like, I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me if we have the naysayers in the world. They can, they can discredit Jesus all they want to. I know the truth. Do you all know the truth? We have heard the truth. We have, we have received the truth in the word of, of the Bible. We have gotten scripture that says everything is because of Jesus. And if it sounds like I'm coming out of the gate pretty strong this morning, it's because I am. Because I'm ex- like, well, I'm going to say I'm excited. But you all already know that. Like, but, but here's the thing. Like, it's all because of Jesus. And everything that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks has led us up to today where we're going to be talking about resurrection power. And we only have resurrection power because of Jesus. Thank you. Today is going to be interactive in case you weren't sure. Um, so, so be prepared for that. I want you all to understand that when we come together as a church we're the body you're not supposed to hey my daughter just texted me don't be like your pastor um you you can silence your phones um evidently their service starts at a different time so um uh yeah so my daughter started her first day is is there at the the new church today and they do things different so um but but here's the thing like as we come together god didn't he didn't say like hey i want you to gather just do this. He wanted you to come together and be the church. And that doesn't mean that you go, okay, pastor, you speak, we just listen. Like, like you're the church. I'm a part of that. We're all the body. And so, so we have to be able to come together. Sometimes we have to have a little fun with it. Sometimes it's got to be very serious. And other times, it means we need to be responsive, right? Not responsible, although we should always be responsible, by the way. But you should be responsive. And so today, we're going to practice a little bit of responsiveness. And so so when we we consider this particular place in Romans that I want us to start out at, um, it it goes back to basically where, um, where I started us off in week one. Okay, in week one, we were talking about um, saving grace is what we were talking about. And uh, it, it, you know, the, the, the whole situation of 
of saving grace is, I mean, that's the basis of why we're here, isn't it? We need the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives, do we not? We have to have the saving grace of Jesus or else there is no hope. Without Jesus, there is no hope. And, and only because of Jesus and only by the name of Jesus can we receive re that saving grace. It is only by him, only through him, and only by his name. And so when you look at Romans chapter 6, and uh, if I was better, I would know exactly where I was going with this, but, um, but verse 8, take a look down there at, at verse 8. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 8. It says, Now... If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will, get this, never die again. Amen? Jesus will never die again, ever. It says that, it says, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he, uh, for the death he died, he died to sin. And hear this, I want this to be heard and fully understood. It says, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves, what? Dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It tells us about his saving grace right there in that scripture. And he says, he did it once for every single person in the world. He died for you. He died for you and you and you and me. He died once for every single one of us. And so when we, when we consider saving grace, and you can go to this first one here to me if you would. When we consider saving grace as a church, we can say it's the next one there, Timmy, because of Jesus. We only have saving grace because of Jesus. That's it. Without him, you don't have it. Without Jesus, we go to hell. It's as simple as that. There's churches out there that will say, no, that's okay, just be a good person. No, that's okay, you can believe in whoever you want to. If you want to believe in Allah, Muhammad, and all I would, you know, go believe in, you know, the lady in the fountain. Who cares? This church says only by the name of Jesus Christ can you be saved, Period. And that's all you'll ever get here. Because that is who we are, that is what we believe, and that is what the Word of God points us to. You'll never get short of that. We don't sugarcoat, we don't cut corners. I don't lead you to salvation that is fake or false. Why? Because I'll pay twice as badly as you will. I'm not doing that. I'm terrified of that. Scripture leads me to that. It tells me I'm twice as responsible. Why would I lie to you? I don't know why other preachers do you ain't getting it here that's all i can tell you and so so we get this idea of saving grace that is only because of jesus and the key to that is in verse 11 there in romans 6 verse 11 it says so you also must consider yourselves what dead to sin and alive in god in christ jesus so important can't drive that message home enough and if you weren't sure just in case you weren't sure and you're like well pastor i need a at least need a little bit more you could turn to acts chapter 4 verse 12 and it says and there is no salvation in no one else 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you needed a more clear-cut picture, there it is. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Write it down, memorize it, stick a little sticky note on your mirror at home so that you go, Jesus Christ is it. Period. End of sentence. Put a big exclamation mark right at the end of it. Right? So now, flip with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hopefully you saved your spot there. And we're not going to look at um, the entire uh, chapter of 15, but I want you to look with me um, right now. I want you to look at just the first 11 verses. We're going to take a look at just those first 11 verses. And, and here's, here's the thing that we know that it's the saving grace that we've received. I mean, it's, I mean you just heard me say it's because of Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. Everything that we do revolves around Jesus. Like, it, he never gets old, right? We, it, it, you know, it, like, there's a lot of things that I do in my life where I'm like, you know, sometimes I do it and it's just repetitive and, and it's just, it just gets boring, you know? And it's repetitive and you're just like, nah, I don't feel like doing that today. It's like eating the same thing every day, every single day. And you're just like, oh, that's just kind of bland now. That's not Jesus. I've never once gotten tired of Jesus. I've never once gotten tired of talking about Jesus. I've never once gotten tired of looking at his word. Now, don't get me wrong. I can read me some Leviticus and go to sleep. But that's okay. There's still super important messages in there, but never once have I ever looked at this and said, you know what, this isn't worth my time. Because this is important. This is the instruction manual that we've been given. This is, this is the word of God. It is living, it is breathing, it is truth, and it's alive. And this word will speak to you. This is the oldest word that we have, and it's never been more true today than, it's, than ever. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get boring. It doesn't lose truth or, or um, its abundance. It is so relative to who we are, and even in this time in our society. So take a look there, like I said, uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, first 11 verses, it says, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as, a first, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, 
and so you believed. This is Paul talking to the church. This is Paul speaking to Christians. This is Paul speaking to us today. This is a great example of someone who, as you heard him say, I'm not even worthy. Look at what I've done. Look at who I've been. Look at how I lived my life. And, and when he says, like, he says, you know, I, I'm not worthy of being called an apostle, he says, but, but I've worked harder than the rest of them. Do you understand that he's not bragging? What he's saying is, is I know who I was. I know the things that I've done. I know the hurt that I caused. And I know the barriers that now I must break through so that I can boldly proclaim the word of God and point people to Jesus. He knew that he had a difficult task set among him and before him, and, and that he had been called specifically for this purpose. That, that when Jesus appeared to him, when he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus blinded him, that was, was how he became an apostle. That was how he became a true disciple of Jesus, that that, that personal one-on-one um, connection that was formed in that moment when Jesus blinded him so that he could then see clearer than he had ever seen before. Sometimes we need that to happen to us, don't we? Sometimes, sometimes don't we just need for things in our lives to just simply disappear, to get the, the, just the junk out of the way so that we can then come to a place where, where we can just realize that Jesus is the most important. Sometimes we have things in life like it, it, we, we, we get clouded, right? There's things that happen, we get distracted, and, and just stuff, life gets in the way. And you find yourself leaning more towards the stuff that really just doesn't matter in the end, more so than, than leaning on Christ for the understandings that we do need and and we can fall honestly i'm going to call it victim we can fall victim to that and it's and it's right there every single day and sometimes it's our fault we like to blame satan for everything sometimes it is his fault sometimes he gets in the way sometimes his little minions they're out there they're doing their little demonic works and they like to get in and cause confusion in our minds and set us on different courses and get us off track, but you know what? Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes we just simply fail, don't we? But that's where we get to see things like Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not perfect people. If we were perfect, those doors in this church should just be shut down because we've arrived. Those doors are open so I can walk through them. Because I need to be here. The things that I preach to you, I don't just preach to you. I hear them. I prepare them. I get to sit in, in, in my solitude as I'm trying to prepare a message, and I go, oh, thank you, Lord. That hurts. And now i got to tell everybody else. And they get to look and see my pain because I'm just as affected. I'm not some perfect preacher by any stretch of the means. If you've been here at any point in time, like... I mean, just understand that the reason we walk through that door is because we all need Jesus. 
And it's the reason that those doors are open to the entire world, that I don't cut off any single person for any single reason. The doors are open to sinners, to which we all are. That's what needs to happen. We have to be the church that stops being hypocritical. We have to stop being the church that says, well, we're, this is just what we do and we live in our little Christian bubble and this is just the way that we... No, pop the bubble, get outside the walls and say, here's Jesus, this is who I believe in, I don't care who knows, do what you will. Beat me up, call me names, join me. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm willing. And then we say yes. We just, we just do what it is that, that Jesus leads us toward. So the next thing that I'm going to point you to is, is the, bring up the next one there, Timmy, is why do you wait? Now, when we looked at this message from last week, remember we were talking about the Ethiopian, uh, I mean, we were talking about the eunuch who uh, 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 Philip was talking to, and, and, and the, the eunuch was like, like why, why wait? Even Philip's like, like, why are you waiting? Like, we're reading, the, we're reading what the book of Isaiah says. Like, you're, you're hearing about who Jesus is. Like, he, he's like, why are you waiting? Right? What's holding you back? What are the things that are causing you to stumble? What are the things that are stopping you? Why do you wait? And, and then we got to see where the eunuch was like, hey, there's water. Let's not wait. Like, he was excited. He's like, I don't care what bodily water it is. I don't care if it's clean. I don't care if it's dirty. Like, he's, it's wet. Let's get in it. He didn't care. He literally was like, why do I, why am I waiting? Why? Today, though, I'm going to flip it. And I'm going to say, why do we wait? And I'm going to change it to a, a, a more deeper question for you. Why do you wait? I wait because of Jesus. I wait because, because if I take things into my own hands, I'm going to get them wrong. So before you become a Christian, it becomes the question of, why are you waiting? Accept Jesus Christ. Come into his kingdom. Get to know who he is. But now that I am a Christian, why do I wait? Because he's made a place for me. I have a heavenly home that he's prepared for me. King James says it's a mansion. Other ones say they're just rooms. I like the mansion myself. So uh, like we have a place that, that, that's been prepared for me that I'm going to go why do I wait? Because Jesus patiently waited on me, and he's waiting to return. That's why I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to come back. But you know what? He's patiently waiting because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants as many people as possible to come to know who he is. What does that take? What does that require? Right here, church. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. It's all of our sister churches in this community. We're going to be putting together a church revival. We're going to be doing it down at the high school. It's going to be in September uh, 15th and 16th. No, this is not a plug for, you know, I mean, I'm not putting up, but we are going to be advertising this more as we put it together more, but several churches are coming together in our community. We're going to have multiple pastors, all community pastors. We want to share Jesus Christ. There has been revival happening. If you haven't been paying attention, revival is here. And do you know who it's affecting more than anyone? The younger generation. You know Why? Because they need Jesus. They are seeking Jesus. They are looking so hard for someone that they can cling to. And they desire someone so great. And they said, we have found him in Jesus. And we as a community want to bring even more of that. And you know what we have to do? As, as the older generation, from Generation X on down, 
we have to embrace that too. We got to stop being lazy and we have to say, you know what? If this younger generation is going to get on fire for God, then maybe we should too. And we should get behind that and we should say, look, we are going to come together and I want to be where the young people are. I get that sometimes they're weird and freaky, but I was. That's what my wife just called me out. I had a long mullet. It was a business in the front, but a party in the back, baby. Like, it was happening. I wore my, my ripped up jeans with zebra skin spandex under them, people. I want you to go home with that vision. It's something you can pray about for me. And <clears throat> I'm still reeling from that one. But, but here's the thing. I was once one of those kids, generationally, that was like, I was never going to Jesus. Look where I am today. Praise God, he saw fit to go, I'm going to see through the facade of who you think you are, and I'm going to bring you to the realization of who I created you to be. And the young people today are yearning. They're yearning for Jesus. We have college-age kids that want Jesus. They are seeking after Jesus. And you want to know who has the greatest responsibility? We do. Because you want to know what's out there? There's a whole bunch of people out there that says, hey, now's the time to live your best life. Your best life is only going to be lived through Jesus Christ. Right now is the time. I agree. They are young. They've got their whole lives in front of them. But if we're not there to help give them some guides, who's going to do it? I'll tell you who's going to be at the forefront of that line. It's going to be Satan. He's going to be there to go, ha-ha, check this out. And we, as a church, have been notorious for going, well, I'm just going to sit back here and I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to wait till they come to my church because that's what I do. I'm going to wait till they come to my church because if they're not here, I don't know what we're going to do. Or we can get out there and we can say, hey, y'all, we're Bethany Baptist Church. We want to tell you about Jesus. Hey, y'all, we're, we're every church in the community. We want to tell you about, can we join together in the name of Jesus as churches? That's what we have to do. We've got to come together. So when I say, why do you wait, church, it's because, come on, why do we wait, church? So listen, I told you it was going to be interactive. You've got to get on my same page. So, so look, we're going we're gonna to take a look again. Take a look there, still in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Take a look at verse 35. Verse 35, as soon as I can find it myself. <clears throat> well, verse 35, the header of it, in case you were looking, it says the resurrection body. Get this, it says, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And he says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heaven, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for the stars differ from star in glory, but 
It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust and is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We get to see where where Paul is referencing and talking about Adam, the first Adam, and the second Adam. The second Adam is Jesus. We get to... We get to see where he's talking about this resurrection of the dead. He talks about what's perishable. He's talking about what becomes imperishable. What's sown in dishonor is now raised in glory. Weakness is now in the spiritual. I mean, weakness is now in power. The natural also has a spiritual side. Like everything has this coming together. You know why? Because of Jesus. He was... He was the first, and he will always be the last. He's the Alpha, he's the Man. Like, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they're all, they're three in one. And, and we know that God created man. He created Adam. He breathed life into Adam. He was created from dust. But we have something so much more. Even though Adam screwed this whole thing up, even though it was all his fault, when sin entered into the world, it should have been, at that point, over, said, and done. But instead, we have Jesus, who came, who is the one who is greater than anything and everything, and he's the one that made a way possible for us to go from death to life. And we now have an opportunity that has been given to us where when we die to ourself, when we, when we die to our, our old selves, when we are laid to rest, we can then be raised to life. It's so amazing, this gift that has been given to us, this opportunity that has been given to us. And it's all because of Jesus. That we have these things, that we have the saving grace, and, and, that, and that we have the ability to, as Christians, to go, I am going to wait on Jesus because he's that important in my life. But we also have resurrection power. And you may ask, well, how is it that I have resurrection power in that? And I will admit, it's a little bit of a tough one. Do you actually have resurrection power? Do you? Well, let's take a look at what it says here in verse 50. Verse 50 gives us uh, the header there, if you have that in your Bibles. It says, mystery and victory. Verse 50 says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, (laughs) behold, right? I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, get this, imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Church, you've heard this many times. You've heard this in different ways, different places. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We hear that particular verse. That particular verse there that gets, that gets brought home and is, is, it, it should just sort of echo in your mind where you're going, where you're going death, where is your victory? We are, we are dead, we are perishable. You know, everything that goes into the ground, it rots and decays and goes away, right? It's the reason I tell you all the time, I'm like, you can't take all your money with you. You can't take your possessions with you. Your house, everything, your car, it's all temporary. You're going to go in the ground and you're going to rot and decay. Science teaches us that. Life teaches us that. There is no escaping it, right? But if we belong to Jesus, we can be raised to life. We are given a new spiritual body, and we become imperishable. But here's the real kicker. It says everybody is going to become imperishable. Did you catch that? It didn't just say Christians are going to become imperishable. It said everyone. There's two sides to that coin, isn't there? There's a heavenly side, and what's the other one? One that, one that goes to hell. Everybody will become imperishable, which means that you will either spend an eternity in heaven being, being loved by Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you this. Jesus Christ loves everybody, even if they go to hell. But, but Jesus Christ, like he's prepared this place for you, and you will live in an eternal home. But if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you will go to hell, and you will spend your eternity there. Everybody becomes imperishable. You will burn in hell for all of eternity, or you will live in the glory of Jesus Christ forever in heaven. You have to decide, and you have free will to do so. So when we, when we look at this verse and we say, we, and we're going, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. It's because we can't, we can't, we can't adhere to that law. The reason it was given to us was to show us and to prove to us that we are sinners and that we are in need of Jesus Christ. It says, but in verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So the question becomes, do you have resurrection power? You do not, but Jesus Christ does. And where does Jesus Christ live if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ? He lives in you. So do you have resurrection power? You have resurrection power through Jesus Christ that lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit who has been here since the beginning of time. Jesus Christ is real. And he can change your life forever. And he can lead you to this resurrection power that only Jesus can take you to. The question is, do you belong to him? Do you trust in him? Have you professed faith in him? Have you been obedient to him? 
So as a church, this is where we wrap it up. I want us together. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to say this, like I used to tell Kaylee when she was up here, uh, Kaylee Davis, well, uh, not Kaylee Davis anymore, but when she would be up here and she would be singing and she would be up here going, I love Jesus. I think Jesus is amazing. I would go, loud and proud, Kaylee. Like you're singing to Jesus. He wants to be able to hear you. As a church, we should do the same thing, shouldn't we? I shouldn't just be meek and mild, Christian, Greg Knapper. I shouldn't be like, I love Jesus, and I want to tell you that he is. Can I tell you a little bit about Jesus today? No, I need to say, my name is Greg Knapper. I believe in Jesus Christ. Can I talk to you today and share my story with you so that I can point you to who the most amazing person is in my life who has loved me more and better and bigger than anyone else ever has? Can I share that with you today? And even if they look at me and go, get out of my face, you freak, I go, bless you. But then again, they might say, yeah, tell me a little more. And that has happened. I've had them both. <laughs> I've had them both. So as a church, let's say this. Can we just say this together? We have saving grace. We have the question of why do we wait? So why do we wait, church? And we have resurrection power, do we not? It's all because of Jesus, isn't it? It's all because of Jesus. It is only by him, by his saving grace, it is because of his death, his resurrection, he died for you. Come to that realization and own it, can you? Can you just stop saying, oh, I'm not worthy? Can you stop saying that? Because he died for you, even if you feel that way. Can you stop saying, well, but you know what? I was a terrible sinner, and sometimes I still screw things up, and sometimes I still sin. He doesn't want me. Can you stop saying that? Because he died for you. Can you stop making the pitiful excuses? Because that's all they are. Even though I do understand that they're real to you, because they were real to me once, until I came to the realization that because of Jesus and what he has done for me, that they don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is Jesus and who he is in my life. And then when I say, thank you, Jesus, which is sometimes the hardest thing to do when somebody does something amazing for you, sometimes you just have to say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And thank you for the sacrifice that you made on my behalf. And thank you, Jesus, for, for taking my sin, even though I didn't deserve it, even though I didn't do anything to earn it. Thank you for loving me so much, Jesus, that you... You proclaimed me as one of yours. Thank you for calling me to yourself. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for doing all the things. And I'm just going to say thank you, and I'm going to accept this gift. If I came to you and I gave you a $100 bill today, would you say, oh, no thanks? You'd be more willing to take a $100 bill from me than you are to accept Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be the other way around. That hundred bucks isn't near what it cost Jesus. It cost him his life. He gave it all up for you. Left everything that was on high to even come here in the first place. That was gift enough. But then he suffered and he died a sinner's death so that you could have life. And that you could have it abundantly. And that you can have an everlasting place to be with him. All you have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness, and I believe in you, and I want to follow you. It doesn't seem that difficult, does it? Yet it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But I encourage you to take the step today. And if you don't know Jesus, because I'm going to pray for us now, 
you don't know Jesus, and worship team, you can come up. I want to encourage you to come forward. I want to encourage you to accept the grace that Jesus has offered you. I want to encourage you to, to see that saving grace that we talked about. I want to encourage you to not wait like that eunuch, but instead say, what am I waiting on? What is holding me back? And stop letting Satan get in your way. Stop letting yourself get in the way. Stop making the excuses and just say, yes, I want to accept you, Jesus. And then come to a place where you say, now I have Jesus Christ who is living in me, who is, who is there, and I have his resurrection power. And yes, I'm walking towards the back because I want to make sure that you guys hear me. You guys get so far away. I can't even see y'all up there, really. I know y'all think I can, but, you know, with my... I want everybody in this church to hear and to understand that Jesus is for you. He is for every single person in this building. He is for every single person in every church in this county. He is for this county, this state, the country, this entire world. He is for every single one of us, but we have to call on his name. We have to surrender ourselves. But would you do that today and take that step? So if you would like to give your life to Christ today, I invite you to come forward. If you would like to do anything else in this church, I would invite you to come forward. Know that, uh, and I fail to do this most weeks, but these Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in every single pew. Take it home. It's our gift. You don't ever have to bring it back. Write your name in it. Write all the notes you want in it. We want people to have the Word of God. We want people to know who Jesus is and to have a true relationship with Him. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you I thank you, Jesus, just for your, your everything, everything that you are to me, so many of us here in this place, Jesus, you, you are the true reason. So Father, let everything that we do, everything that we are about, let it all be for you and for your glory, but, but help us to realize that, Jesus, you, you did so much, and all we have to do is accept your grace, all we have to do is give ourselves to you and surrender ourselves to you and just accept the gift that you have so freely offered. Free to us, but it costs you everything. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you have moved in such a way that I no longer am a slave to sin, but I've been set free. Thank you for redeeming justifying touch a heart today, that you would stir in such a way that surrender would just happen, that whoever it is, that they would just give themselves to you, they would just freely, just, just freely accept the gift of grace that you've offered. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your holy and precious name today.